Welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yachts, and today is part one of my interview with Tammy Wallace. She is a manager and a producer. She's a Heller Award winner, and she runs Five Star Talent Management. Enjoy. Okay, I have a guest with me today. I have Tammy Wallace. She is a Heller Award winner in 2016. How are you doing, Tammy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. So uh, my first question is, um, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Georgia? No, I did not. And I would like to preface by saying I have no idea what questions he's going to ask me. So, but I'm going to answer them all. Um, I actually grew up in Ohio, in a small town, Franklin, Ohio. Because I saw that you went to Ohio State University. I so did. I did. Go Buckeyes. I have my my basement in Georgia is um, uh, has Brutus everywhere. It's a Ohio State themed basement. How do you think going to Ohio State like shaped you as a manager? Mm, I don't think it shaped me at all as a manager. No. No, um, because when I went to Ohio State University, I actually um, my original goal was to be a nurse. And, um, you know, I was, you know, I, 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 well, actually I went to Ohio state cause I was there on a bowling scholarship. So my life was supposed to be a nurse and a professional bowler. <laughs> so wow. I could not okay. be further away from what I went to college for. Um, and it, you know, my life took a different path. I got married. I had children. Um, you can't really travel all over, um, the world or the world and the country bowling when you have four children. So, so, so how did you get involved in managing? Um, I had four children and when my youngest was, I think about five, um, everybody said she, now she's about four. Everybody said she was so cute, and you know, the whole thing that moms hear, you know, and I sucked yeah. into it. Um, so I took her to a modeling agency, and they really liked her. And so she had done she had done one thing when she was a baby, and then she did a um, a, a commercial for a um, clothing store, and I did not like the way they treated her. Her. Not that they were mean to her, but it was more like, hey, we're here. There's all these women changing. There's men running around. Just change right over here. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want my daughter to think no. it's OK to just take her clothes off and change anywhere. Uh, but yeah. that is the modeling side of the business. You know, um, I didn't know it at the time. And so after that, I decided that modeling was not something I wanted her to do. And I told the agent we were signed with, and she's like, you know, I've had her in classes. She's very focused. Um, I think she would be a good actress. And so um, I took her to a play. She loved it. She started acting. Um, her man, when she was about eight, her manager need she had a manager. She needed assistance, so I started working with her manager at her office. And then her manager decided that she no longer wanted to manage. And it was just sort of a segue to start my own company. So it's sort of a necessity to meet your daughter's goals. Yeah, it was necessarily a necess necessity because at that time, she already had an agent. And she was doing quite well for herself. 
It was Mm -hmm. the fact that I was working in the office and all the other people that we were repping at the time, many of them did not have the success. We had some clients that were very successful, some clients that had just come on and they're like, well, what are we going to do? Who's going to manage us? What's going to happen? And I thought, you know, I've been doing this now. Why not just start my own company and just segue into my own management company? And so basically it was for everybody else. Not as, you know, once you're established, I'm not saying you don't need a manager because manager are, are always important. Um, but when you're established and let's say your agent drops you or your manager, your manager drops you, you're established. So you have yeah. the ability to go out and seek further representation. When you're new into the business, it's a lot harder to do. So I did it more for them. So, so you kind of fell in love with it through, through the process though, is that kind of, you know, there's nothing like, um, making somebody's dreams come true. I get so excited, you know, were you, was this something I'm guessing from, you've told me that this wasn't, you weren't somebody that really cared about entertainment or were you always, or you, were you interested in entertainment? No. You know, I, for one thing, I don't want to be behind the camera. I mean, in front of the camera. No, you know, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm, I'm good at teaching. I'm, I can get up and I can teach and I can do workshops and I can do something like this. Um, but like, even when I accepted my award, um, it was the shortest speech in the TMA history. It might've been the shortest speech in any award ceremony history, wow. you know? And I got off the stage and my daughter looked at me and said, you really need to learn how to do this, mom. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm just like, whoa. So now I, I, I have no desire to be in front of the camera. None. So talk about some of the steps you took in creating the, the managing company that you created, Five Star Talent Management. Well, I think when I started in the business, um, we did not have, everything was done with VHS tapes. We didn't have, you know, the, the internet. We had to physically go to auditions. So um, I, my clients, I was based basically out of Atlanta. In order to get somebody an audition in LA, we had what we called breakdowns. And so what would happen is the breakdowns in the mornings, they would um, send them to you on a printer. And your printer would start up in the morning and sheet after sheet after sheet. Oh my gosh, a hundred pieces of paper would fall out of that. And you would have to go through and submit for roles, but to submit for the roles, you would have to put Um, headshots in an envelope. And if it was for LA, we would have to FedEx them out there. Very costly. Um, In LA, they would obviously run them to the agents uh, or to the casting offices. But here we would also take them to casting offices. So it was a lot different working in Atlanta than it was in New York and LA. So as we started progressing and the internet came around and everything, you know, the breakdowns come out on the internet and you could just click a button and it would get to LA and then you could put people on camera and send the tape in via the internet. Um, I started, I started realizing that, you know, it was so much harder to just work the Atlanta market. And I was having these clients that would leave and go to LA and become serious regulars and become successful And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, well, that's dumb. Why don't I start an office in um, L.A.? 
So I joined the Talent Managers Association and I started my office in LA. And so that opened up a whole new world for me. And then um, about, about a year before COVID, I opened up in New York. Yeah. Did you, did you feel that was necessary to have an office in New York, even though we did have internet at this point in time? Yes, because the thing about it is in order to have like in order to make get the breakdowns, which and the these are these are casting sites where you get breakdowns and briefs that tells you. I, and I don't you probably know what that is. Um, in order to have a presence in New York, I needed to have an office in New York. It's a satellite office. Um, mm-hmm. And so I go to L.A. and I go to New York a lot. And I, mm-hmm. you know, obviously do a lot of networking and I have clients, I have clients that are just Atlanta based. I have clients that are just New York based, just LA based. And I have some that have the ability to be based everywhere because they're a flight attendant or their parents work for an airline, you know, mm-hmm. and they have addresses and there's different locations. Now let's talk a little bit about like the nuts and bolts of the job. What do you think differentiates you from an agent for actors that don't necessarily know the difference? What would you say is the difference? Oh my gosh, so you know what? There's so there's so many different aspects to the job from agents um, and there's some overlapping, but I tell people, I tell my clients all the time, the difference between an agent and a manager to simplify it for most people is we all went to school. So if you are a student in a school, your manager is going to be your teacher in your classroom and your agent's going to be your principal. So your agent um, doesn't know you, most agents, I'm not saying all of them, but most agents, because they have such a huge roster, they're not going to know you the way I'm going to know you. I'm going to know, you know, what range you sing in, whether you can play the flute, whether you can tap dance. A lot of agents, unless they're a type, you know, an A client or somebody books all the time, they're going to do searches and goes, which one of my clients does this, you know? So um, I have a very personal relationship with my um, um, actors. Mm -hmm. I also um, am constantly working on their materials from their headshots um, to their demo reels. When they have auditions, I ask that they send me the auditions so I can look at it and critique it and make sure that, you know, before they submit it onto their agent, Some agents will actually look at that audition before they send it. Others won't. It depends on how many auditions they have for that day. Or they'll have one of their assistants do it. I want to see that. Um, I just, I'm very hands-on. You know, you can't call your agent normally nine o'clock at night, but you can call me at nine o'clock at night and text me. And I'm, if I know that's an emergency, I mean, I don't want you to call me and ask me, hey, can you submit me for this? Because I do have a life. But um, we're just much more hands-on. Now, managers cannot close deals. So we Mm -hmm. need that agent to close the deal. But we are going to be the person that's going to, we pitch more than agents. We pitch with the agents. I will submit and then I can call an agent up and go, hey, I think they're really good for this role. Do you have a relationship with Michael Sanford? Um, You know, I know him. You can either, we, we piggyback each other on pitching or they'll say, oh no, I, I know them really well. Let me pitch. Or they'll reach out to me and say, hey, can you pitch? The bigger the team, I think the stronger you are. Absolutely. I agree. Because I saw you have Cindy uh, Huffman, who's also I do. part of your she, she is my youth manager and she's yes. based, she actually lives out in LA. 
And mm. she basically deals with all of my youth. Um, and she is wonderful. And she's been with me for, oh my God, how many years has she been with me? And it's so funny. We've never had a disagreement. That's now, awesome. I don't know if it's that I'm that wonderful. I don't think it is. Um, I'm not a micromanager and I trust her explicitly. So there's no reason for me to question what she does. Do you have somebody that's in uh, New York as well? I had a manager that was in New York. She actually used to be a casting director. Um, mm. She had some health issues. And I think that, you know, managing is a very difficult job. Um, people don't understand that, you know, agents have a plethora of um, clients. So they've constantly got people working. Managers, um, you don't want a roster so big you can't handle it, but you need a roster big enough that you, the casting knows that you have a good client, clients. Mm. Um, so money, you know, making money as a manager is a lot harder than people think it is. And, you know, they come on board and they're like, oh, I'm going to make all this money. And they're like, oh, it's not as easy. It takes time to build up your clientele. What how do you how do you go about finding talent? I know that's a, you know, kind of a broad term, you know, finding talent. I mean, but. Oh, I thought you said funding and I'm like going. No, fi no finding. Funding finding. talent? Hmm. Yeah, no, not I funding. I do. <laughs> finding talent. Um. Oh my gosh, there's so many different ways. There's showcases I go to. Um, people submit to me a lot. Um, there are, you know, I can be walking down the street and I'll see somebody and I'm like, oh my God, I love that hair. Or they're twins or they're triplets. And I'll go up to them and go, hey, you know, um, have you ever thought about putting your kids in acting? Um, but then I obviously have to audition them to make sure they can act. Or if I can, if, yeah. if, if they have the... You know, you don't have to necessarily be able to act, but you've got to be coachable. And if I Great. think they're coachable, I'll bring them on developmentally, you know, make them get into classes and we can take it from there. But I don't think there is necessarily the right way to find talent. I mean, they come about, you know, I've had casting directors recommend them. I've had agents, agents send me client all the time. You know, yeah. um, there's just so many different ways. My biggest pet peeve, um, is I think there's a company out there, I don't know the name of them, but I would say 30 times a day I get emails and they go into this, hi, I'm your next so-and-so, so-and-so. And, mm -hmm. and they give me like four paragraphs of, you know, Steven Spielberg called me in for an audition and, you know, and, 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 and it's just, you know, that it's a mass email and they've sent to every single person and it's a form letter and it irritates me because mm -hmm. I don't care who called you in for an audition. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, did you book it? You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, I don't exactly. care that, I don't care that you were standing in, you know, as a background, you know, waving to somebody as they walked by, yeah. you know, I care about what your reel looks like. Do you have the materials? Are you talented? And I don't want to come. And I, I don't know if competes the correct word, what I don't want to do is put my time and energy when I get a when I get a submission and it it piques my interest. I do research because so many people lie when they're doing Absolutely. their um, when they send me their resume. They'll say I was you know I was a series regular on this. In actuality, they were background. So um, 
Seriously, you know, somebody will do that. Somebody will uh, actually say serious Oh my gosh, you would not regularly. believe some of the things people have told me and I've called them out on them. Um, but what I do is I don't want to get these mass emails, find interest and say, oh, I'd really like to rep this person, reach out to them, set up a Zoom meeting, have an hour Zoom call with them, only for them to say, oh, I've got other meetings. And then two months down the road, they reach out and say, you know, I've gone with somebody else. That's a waste of yeah. my time. So if you're going to submit to me, you can submit to other agents or managers. I think you should, but not 500 managers. Absolutely. And make that email personal to me, not telling me that you, you know, got called in. They're just, they drive me crazy. And I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's like, they're exhausting. And anymore, I just go, really? And every once in a while, I got a few minutes, I'll write back and say, I'm sorry, we don't take mass emailings. And I really don't care that you got called in by this person. Yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. It's it's a business. And if you're going to be in the business, you need to be respectful of people's time and you shouldn't be wasting people's time. Well, but there's a company, there's a company out there that not only sell sales, I sound like I'm from Georgia, I am not only sells the, um, um, these templates, but they also Uh, will sell our emails and I have actually a submission email. So if these emails come to my personal email, either, you know, you've looked me up and it's personalized, but these, these form letters I know came from some type of a list. And speaking of AI, that's only going to get worse because now it's going to be like, you don't even have to, somebody's going to create them. But the thing I think I would say about that is use it as a template, but don't, you know, like if you want to take some ideas from that, that letter, just to get an idea of it, that's good. But then you need to personalize it and make it your own. Otherwise, like you said, it's just going to come off like, hi, Justin, I saw your stuff. <laughs> AI might be doing those i never even thought about that um but you know at that point when ai takes over it doesn't matter i'm going to be eating bonbons on the beach and um i'm going to be retired so judging from what we've just talked about you like to do a lot of development with your talent i do like to take on developmental talent um but they can be the most difficult um People think that a lot of people don't understand this business. They think it is get a headshot, get yourself on Actors Access, and the audition should start rolling in. Um, And it doesn't work that way. And I keep going back to that term coachable. One of the phrases I say to my clients all the time is, I'm only as good as my last submission. You're only as good as your last audition. And, you know, you know, they they'll, you know, they'll send me these things and they want to do things that are in perpetuity and they don't understand what that means. And that's a big no, no. Um, You know, I'll tell them to do one thing and they do the other thing. And I'm um, when I do my um, onboarding, I have very specific documents I send to them and, you know, I'll send them a document, have them check off everything. So and half the time they check everything off, but they haven't done it. And they're like, oh, I thought I was just supposed to check. I'm like, well, so, you know, mm. being coachable is one of the most important things in this business. I, you know, you can, you can have somebody that's this talented. You can be this talented. If this person is not in classes, it's not real coachable, not working the business. 
and you have all the attributes that I've, you know, given you and talked about, you're going to go like this. Yeah. The same thing happens with um, star athletes in, mm-hmm. in high school. They, you know, it's easy for them, but then somebody else who's working hard, it gets there and you get to. Absolutely. You should have been working here. I mean, that's what, why we loved Michael Jordan so much was he was all about getting better. I mean, I, yeah. I think. That's why and you know, he, I think that, um, you know, my, my biggest qualm with a lot of people, and I think it's any actor um, that doesn't know the business or isn't willing to put that into it. You know, mm. I need headshots. Well, I don't have the money to do that right now. But the headshots is what's going to get you in the door. So if you don't have the headshots, you can be taking these classes. You can be networking. You can be doing all this stuff. But when you don't have a good headshot and I'm going to submit it, they're not going to call you in. The next thing you need to know, be in classes. When I get you in that door, know what you're doing. Yes. You know, Um, and that is, I'm telling you, a lot of actors don't get that. I found that when I talked, when I talked to actors, they don't understand that when you're training, it's an ongoing process. It's not Mm -hmm. you stop here and then you go, oh, you know, I've done plays where I've been, you know, it's like, well, what are you, who are you studying with? And they're like, oh, I did four years. So-and-so I don't, you know, need to do anything. It's like, but won't you be rusty? I mean, unless you're, I mean, I guess if you were auditioning every single day, you could get away with that, but but you, you know what, even when, you, even when you're auditioning every single day, you become complacent and you don't realize you're coming complacent. You start, you start taking your auditions for granted. I have a lot of clients. It's like, look, you've had a lot of auditions. You're not getting callbacks. We need to figure out why. Um, and it, it, it's when we do everything in life, whether it be cleaning, cooking, uh, watch everything we do, when you start doing it in the beginning, you have this passion and love for it. And when you become either good at it or, you know, you have to do it often, you do start cutting corners. You do become complacent. And I tell people all the time, okay, you've been in improv class. That's great. Go into script analysis, you know, go into the different types of, um, you know, the acting, the different types of cameras, the the camera work. Um, There is so much that you can be learning. But if you don't, if you don't have the money to get into classes, at least get coaching before every single one of your big auditions. One-liners, the throwaway lines. I get that. I mean, coaching can be really expensive. You know, it's sort of like you have to have money to be in the business. You have to spend money. You know, it's 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 like being an entrepreneur. You have to you can't just (laughs) jump in. You have to have something to, to put into the business. You can't just go. I mean, well, now you can as I mean, we have YouTube and everything. But before you had to and acting is one of those things. You got to get headshots. You have to be in class. You need to continue to improve. You know, it's- but, you know, when you have those headshots, you know, people will send me headshots and I look at them and I'm like, did you go to glamour shots? And I don't even know if you guys know what glamour shots is now. Yeah, you know, I, I, I know. My dad took it. My dad's a photographer. There's a difference between a headshot photographer and your dad, you know, and yeah. it, you can tell. 
you know, and, Why and do- that is, that's a huge, that is the one, that's one of the biggest issues I have. Another thing is, is if people don't have materials, because, you know, clips are really important. Um, these iPhones and, and Androids today, you can sit on the couch, write your own script, and no one would know that it's not an indie film. Let's put that up. Let's let's edit that instead of you doing a monologue. I know if you're doing a monologue, you're not actually working. I still find though, even when you when you when you do when actors have done that, that it still feels like it's not really. I have clients. I have clients that you would not be able to tell. Really? Because they they uh, because when I tell them that, they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. And then they put energy into it. I have some clients, their auditions are like film. I, I'm so amazed how incredible their auditions are because they put so much into it from the effects to, I mean, sometimes I'm like, how long did it take you to do that? Yeah. You know, but yeah, if, you know, you can do, you can, you know, get the lighting right, have, you know, have yourself sit on a couch. You can have one of your actor friends come over and read lines against you and make it look authentic. You cannot tell that it is not, you know, because clip, casting directors only look at um, clips for six to 10 seconds. I don't want clips to be more than 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And with these 4D cameras or whatever they're called, they, I'm telling you, some people you can tell because they don't understand what they're doing. Hmm. But when, if you're going to do it, give, take, you got to take a lot of, you got to take different lighting. You got to take, I mean, I take 30 or 40, you know, um, um, shots and, and let's break it down and see if we got something. Yeah. And it's also how you edit it. If you edit it like a film, it looks like one, but a lot of people think, oh, I just sit there and that's it. No, let's do some edits. Yeah. You know, so. Because what, what film do you see where it's just a static shot? It's, it's rarely, I mean, unless there's a reason for that, like, you know, yep. like in the Clockwork Orange or something where you're pulling back, but you know, it's, it's usually cut here, cut here, cut mm-hmm. here. You're not. I mean, sometimes I think that's one of the hardest things about an audition is you got to hold the camera Whereas if you're on set, you know, yeah, we can put around, you know. But, you know, like if you do, let's say we're going to do a, a, a something of me right here and you were mm-hmm. shooting, it, you know, you would shoot it from this angle and then take another shot where you put the camera here and shoot it from the side and take another shot where the camera's here. And then when we're editing yeah. it, you edit that in. It's going to look yeah. like an indie film. Interesting. Interesting. I, I I never thought about that. Why do you think it's so hard for actors to take advice? Do you think it's ego or do you think it's fear? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think there's all sorts of reasons. I think that some people honestly think that they know what, you know, they know. I think some people, um, either don't understand, they're maybe afraid to ask. And I think, yeah, some of it is a fear of failure. They don't want to, to do something. Um, you know, I, I, there's so many different reasons. I could not say one reason. Um, I'm going to tell you, and I hate to say this because I love actors. Um, you got that left, right brain, left brain thing going on. My daughter's an actor. Um, actors, a lot of them procrastinate. And a lot of them just, 
I don't want to say lazy, but I'm, you know, I think you have to have a special type of mentality to be an actor. And I'd say 90% of my actors are whatever, right brain or left brain. So some of them may not have that common sense, should I say? And that was so rude to say, but I'm telling you, you know, my husband is brilliant. He is so intelligent, but he doesn't have common sense sometimes. And I am just like Mm. gone. Hmm. But he's a guitar player. He's an audio engineer. He's very artsy. I don't have a talented bone in my body. So I don't think on that side. I am a very do it and get it done. And I definitely see a difference between my, I got four kids. Three of them are very artsy and the difference between them and me, it's, it's difference between night and day. And I blow, I I, half the time my mind's blown and I'm like, why aren't you doing that? And you know, I don't know. But it's consistent, and I find that's consistent with a lot of actors. Do you think it's teachable? These some of these. I things? think some people are teachable, some people are not teachable. Mm. Like I said, that coachable thing that I talked about is so important to me. I've had very, very talented people that are absolutely not coachable, and if you're not coachable, you're not going to do well on a set. You know, if, you know, and there's also that arrogance, Um, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance that can ruin you on a set. Absolutely. Because, you know, yes, it might look good here from your point of view, because you're, you're doing the work, but we can see it in the camera and the director might be like, well, let's just try this. And you need to just kind of go with it. You know, yeah. And some people can't do that. Some people cannot switch. You know, and we do have those actors that are very one dimensional and they're good at what they do. Um, but you're not going to see that outside that. I mean, that's just what they yeah. are. Yeah. And they and if you try to push them out of it, they don't. But that can be really it. hard to rep somebody that that's one dimensional because it's taken a slot up that you you're waste. And I hate to say wasting, but you are somewhat wasting yeah. a slot. No, you know, I and I also hate that box mentality. Yeah. You know, people you think outside it, of the box. Well, this, you know, people need to be branded. I look at it totally different. If you're an mm. actor, you should be able to act. So if I want you to be, you know, a comedic, sweet person, you should be able to do it. But if I need you to be demonic, if you're a good actor, you should be able to do that. And some people will say, oh, you know, they'll call me up and they'll say, hey, you know, I, I, I should be going out for the sweet this, this and this roles. And I'm like, why are you oh. putting in a box? Because somebody told them that that's what they needed to do. So here's the thing. When you tell somebody that, you know, you need like if I were to look at you and I say, you know what, you're really not good at this interviewing thing. Even though, you know, you are, I have yeah. just put something in the back of your brain and I'm going to you're going to have that doubt. Yeah. So I think when people go to these branding seminars, in a way, branding sort of puts you in a box. I absolutely agree. I've read a lot of acting Thank books where they, talk about, where they talk about that, where it's like you want to get typecasted, but it's like, OK, that's that's good. But like what you're saying, if you get some if you get them an audition for to go do to do this and then the actor comes back, with, well, that's not that's not really my style. It's like, that's not your decision. You're the actor. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe when you get to a certain level, you can do that. But I think it's always best to be as open as possible and be as versatile as possible. Whereas, you know, just saying, I'm only going to play ingenues or yeah. I'm only going to play this serious role. I don't do comedy. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. how do you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the thing it is. And I, when I say, I, nobody can do everything. Yeah. But agreed. when I do get these people, and I have a lot of people reach out to me and tell me what their brand, what their brand is. <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, what? That's I funny. Mean, yeah, that's what I would do. I'm going to be branding you. <laughs> why are yeah, you? Yeah, but there's so why many. Are you telling me? So many people will disagree with me on that. And I think I always use the example of Jim Carrey. He was typecast. He was only good at act or uh, comedy. And then he did. Oh gosh, what was that? It's on the tip of my tongue. What was the name of the Truman, uh, Truman Show? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you are an actor and you're a good actor, you should be able to do so many different roles. Yeah. Now, obviously, training is going to be, and obviously if you have a certain look to you, sometimes you can't go outside of that box, but that's not because you don't have the talent. It's because the look that you have. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and like, you know, somebody who is very uh, you know six four and weighs 400 pounds you know they're not going to be the leading man you know but there's no there's no reason why they can't be the you know the um mobster boss there's no reason why they can't be the really funny dad i mean you know but like i said it's i i I deal a lot with that um my clients are like you know i I can't do that like what get coaching yeah, that's what the coaching's for. I mean, if, you, if it's really, if you send it to me and it's not believable, great. I get it. You can't do that, you know, and not everybody can do everything. But yeah. don't, don't not do something because that person, somebody's branded you somewhere down the line. Yeah. I just have, that's my, that's one thing that I'm totally against. I agree. And I'll probably get a hundred phone calls telling me, what are you saying? okay that about does it for part one i want to thank tammy wallace for her time please like share and subscribe and consider checking out the youtube channel as always you can find me at justin yance and i will see you next time on the d m f